Keeping your government agency secure from cyber threats is a growing concern across the public sector. And trying to keep up with the latest technology can cause information overload. GovWhitePapers is a content hub for understanding the latest technology trends in government cybersecurity, AI, cloud computing, and more. So you can keep your agency safe without scouring the internet. Join for free and discover the best practices government and industry are sharing. Visit GovWhitePapers.com today. That's G-O-V-WhitePaperS.com. Greetings, everyone. You are tuned into the Trust and Believe Nomad cast. I'm your humble host, Damon Anderson. Please continue to like, subscribe, click the bell icon so you can get notifications whenever I post a Trust and Believe Nomad cast episode on my YouTube channel, which is what? Retired Master Sergeant 20. So thank you guys for tuning in, whether it's via video or audio appreciate that today is 19 october 2021 hope everybody had a great monday all peace all love and again appreciate everything that you guys are doing my numbers are increasing for subscribers the numbers are increasing for the downloads via the apples and the google podcast and the spotify's and all the etc so appreciate all that uh, Tuesday morning opening remarks. Um, hmm. I'm gonna dig into something that I think is critical for us adults, us adults that have children or soon to be having children. Now, my daughter, she's growing of age where she can make uh, decisions on her own. I won't say as executive decisions, but she can make decisions on her own in terms of you know, how she wants her life and, you know, day-to-day business and whatnot. So I find myself sometimes, and it's something I really have to get better at. I find myself kind of, I don't want to say questioning some of, some of the decision-making. I mean, because, you know, as a leader in the military, we kind of do that as well, kind of question the decision-making. I mean, I've had sergeant majors and colonels and whoever question my decision-making. So it's, you know, I think that's just the way it is sometimes in the hierarchy of people or leadership or whatever. So I notice I, I got to find myself sometimes not expecting. I think we all have to look at this, not expecting the you in somebody. Let me say that again. We cannot expect the you in somebody like I can't expect me and my wife can expect our daughter to conduct her business and to have her, her thoughts the same way we would do ours. We was in a different time, time, a different era, you know, quick to say, Oh, well, you know, back in my day, you know, when I was freaking this age, I did it this way. And this is how it was. And it's like, no, you didn't. You, you know, you, <laughs> you was not actively doing anything that was close to being constructive. I mean, I take myself, for example, before I got married, when I was a single Marine, trust and believe no pun intended. Whenever I got paid by the U.S. Marine Corps, the Department of Defense, the government, however you want to classify it. When I was a young Marine, 18 years old, whenever I got paid every two weeks, trust and believe. As soon as that money hit my direct deposit, it was gone. 
chains, food, clothes, shoes, rinse and repeat. Same thing over and over. So then I look at myself whenever my daughter does anything. I always say, why don't you do it this way? Why don't you do it this way? Well, back in my day, I would have did that. I suffer, and I'm sure a lot of you probably can agree, as parents, we suffer with revisionist history. Oh, well, when I did it, you know, it wasn't that way. Dude, I am so thankful that our daughter does not conduct her business the way I, I conducted my business when I was her age. Because I was a Marine, I served a few in the proud, but God dog it, I was not smart with money. I was constantly broke. I was fresh though. I was fly, but I was broke. I used to have all these shoes. Some of them still got all these clothes, all this. But if you came to my barracks room, there was no food in the refrigerator. <laughs> you know, and then as I grew as a leader and you start getting, attaining more responsibility, earning more responsibility. When I used to conduct room inspections in my soldiers rooms, I used to do the same thing. I'm like, okay, you got this nice car sitting out in the parking lot. Why are you, why are you eating freaking ham sandwiches all the freaking time? Why don't you go to the commissary, go to the grocery store, do this and that. Oh, well, you know, this and that, you know, this is the reason why. And I'm like, oh, well, back in my day when I was a young troop, you know, sometimes I have to, you know, really just kind of peel back and, you know, I suffer from revisionist history and I also suffer from expecting the me and people expecting the you and people. It just doesn't work. You know, so I'm at the point now I'm gonna let my, my daughter adult figure things out. And when she runs into a problem, you know, we'll be, be there to assist. I think another problem that I have, and this probably, you know, everybody, right? I know another problem I have when people like if my wife, my daughter, my son are talking to me, I'm listening, but I'm listening to solve the problem. I hear the problem. I identify the problem. I'm crafting and shaping solutions to ensure this problem never rears its head again. And I should just say, listen, you know, if they say, Hey dad, I, uh, 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 I like lemons. Well, that's the reason why you like, don't like lemons. Da, 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 da. Just do slow down. They don't like lemons. Just using that as an example. I have to learn how to listen, active listening. I had a I'm MRT, uh, certified, right? So I should be able to understand active listening. My problem is again, I listen to solve the problem, identify a problem. This is the problem set. Let me develop solutions, craft and shape those solutions to find a better way. And sometimes it's just like, Hey, just listen, this is what I'm going through. Or this is the problem I have. Sometimes they don't want you to solve it. Sometimes like just do listen. So I got to get better at that better at that. I blame the military. <laughs> All right, y'all appreciate everything again. Again, these are the open remarks on this wonderful 19 October, 2021. We're going to go into talking on a Tuesday and I'm going to talk about living overseas, something that's near and dear to my heart. Oh gosh. I love overseas life. So I'm going to talk about living overseas, some of the places that we lived and some of the reasons why we definitely want and we will end up moving this uh, Anderson Anderson train overseas. So uh, stay tuned for that. Appreciate it. We'll be back. All right. 
everybody welcome back welcome back to the trust and believe nomad cast again i am your host damon anderson please continue to like subscribe to my youtube channel at retired master sergeant 20 appreciate everything as i adjust my mic here yeah mic adjustment mic adjustment again appreciate everything appreciate everything glad you guys are around and listening whether you're listening with the audio or watching with the video again like subscribe click the bell icon and do all the etc all right so talking on a tuesday today we're talking about living overseas living overseas and just a little backstory you know i was a very uh I was a child that loved to imagine. I used to imagine about things that I didn't believe I could attain. I used to have a, a, a unique imagination. I think I still do as an adult, right? I think we all, you know, love to imagine and how would it be? What is it like here? You know, oh, wow, look at that, man. That's awesome. You know, we all have a sense of, of child in us. And I think we continue to sustain that those childlike imaginations. So when I was a child, I used to watch, uh, watch, a you know, a lot of the news. I won't say I was a news head, but I watched a lot of news and I used to watch, you know, a lot of these overseas issues that was happening back in the day. And I used to always wonder how, how did they get American cars overseas? How, how, why is this Chevy van in Iran? How did that happen? You know, why is this Chrysler over there in Paris? You know, how is this happening? And as I got older, I realized, you know, import, export goods and you know, all that sorts of thing. But I will tell you, you know, I'm saying all that to say, I always imagine what is, what would life be like overseas? I used to get fascinated when I found out that A-list actors, musicians, or whoever lived overseas. I was always fascinated by that. Like, man, they just kind of just uprooted their whole life and lived overseas. Again, this was before I even joined the military where my whole thing about overseas, uh, going to another country was going across the daggone Detroit river or going up under the Detroit river, uh, to Canada, you know? So I didn't experience the overseas thing until, you know, I raised my right hand and joined the Marines and subsequent army. But I would tell you again, I think about that sometimes as a child, I used to always wonder, I used to read the history books and the geography books and social studies. And they always talked about, you know, overseas and trading overseas and exports and imports and Panama and Japan and all these places. And I used to look at the pictures and the people and the history and all that, whether it was bad or good. I used to always marvel and always wonder, man, what is it like living overseas? I mean, do you still have the same services? Is McDonald's still there? Or is the how does the water taste? What is the transportation like? Do you drive on the other side of the road? What is it like? And you know, I'm thankful, thankful, thankful that I had the opportunity—not myself, but my wife and children—to experience some of that overseas life. And it's kind of one of them things where vacationing overseas is different versus living. I mean, of course, you know, right? But it's just something about when you're in, in a foreign country for X amount of years, two years, three years, three and a half years, however long a person, you know, is. It's just something about that overseas culture. 
So what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna run down all of our overseas assignments. I'm gonna talk about our first overseas assignment and our last overseas assignment, overseas assignment. And I will include the deployments in that as well, because that was just a different, that's really a different conversation because I was there under different conditions, <laughs> you know, so. But what I like to do, I'll start with Germany. Okay, so if you remember the stories when I initially started this podcast, I, I broke down the years when we were in foreign countries, which is considered OCONUS outside of the continental United States and also CONUS, which is the continental United States, which is within the 50. All right. Now, Hawaii and Alaska is considered OCONUS. All right. So, and I will find that all my most vivid memories, the memories where it puts a smile on my face, I will say 90% of those memories are the ones I had overseas. Now I've had more overseas assignments than I've had assignments in the United States and the continental United States. And a lot of that's by choice, by design, by luck, by favor, what have you. I never want to be that person that was just stuck. You know, a few uh, weeks ago, I talked about being stationary. I never want to be stuck in one place, right? Cause you get stagnant, right? So I will tell you a quick story. Then I go into my assignments. So I remember when I was a recruiter in Detroit and I remember I had a future soldier. I took this soldier, future soldier to white castle one day. Cause as a recruiter, sometimes you got to professionally massage the situations and Hey, little Jerry, you want some white castle? what you think about the army as we sitting here eating these free fries that I bought you? Right? <laughs> Just the way it was, man. So I remember we were in line and uh, a lady was like, are you here? Uh, a lady behind us was like, are you here recruiting? I said, yes, ma'am. I'm a recruiter here and I have my future soldier here. And so she was like, is he getting deployed? Is he going to war? It's like the first thing people think when the military and I got it. That's our, the ultimate thing we do. You know, you go defend the constitution and everything, but it's always, are you going to war? Are they going to war? I'm like, slow down lady. This dude ain't even took the daggone ASVAB test yet. So I was like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have no control over what's going to happen once he leaves my recruiting station. Uh, but right now we're prepping him for success. And, uh, she was like, well, where is he going to get stationed at? And I was like, well, hopefully somewhere outside the United States, you kind of just lean back. She said, why you say that? I said, you know, if this young man has an opportunity to go to an Italy, to a Germany, you know what I'm saying? To a, uh, Japan or Korea. Uh, some of these other places I'm like, man, this is, that's a win for this guy. And she was like, well, I want to know why y'all want to have, you know, try to, you know, recruit somebody and trick them to want to live outside of America. I'm like, she's like, it's a war going on. I'm like, lady, I'm a former resident of Detroit. Look around. You, you in war every day, not just here everywhere. I mean, you war in everywhere you go. A lot of it's mental, a lot of it's physical, but I'm like, I don't know how you can say that. And I don't really stay, you know, spend too much time talking to it. Cause a lot of times you, you can just, there's no need to keep digging in there. Right. But I'm like for opportunity for someone to live overseas. Oh my God, that's freaking monumental. Again, that is, I'm speaking all this from my lens, from where I sat, what I thought some people's like, Hey, I'm great. I'm glad to be in Coutersville, wherever you live at. Thumbs up to you. Thumbs up to you. So I'm going to talk about 
Germany, our first duty station. We were there. Well, I was there from 1999 to 2002 and my wife and daughter arrived 2000 because if you remember in our early episodes of the nomad cast, my wife was still in the Marine Corps. So she had to fulfill her contract. I got there in November of 99 and my wife and daughter arrived April of 2000. So that's why I say I was there from 1999 to 02. They were there from 2000 to 02. So I remember when I landed in Detroit, it was November 4th and it was daggone cold outside. We landed at Rhine mine airport, which is used to be a air force base, but now they closed it uh, years ago. Rhine mine um, air base in uh, Germany. And it was near Frankfurt. And I remember landing there and it was snow on the ground. It was really cold. And I just couldn't fathom the fact that this dude from Detroit is in Germany. Cause I remember when I was in the Marine Corps, one of the reasons why I decided to uh, get out the Marine Corps, I was honorably discharged. One of the reasons why, because the career counselor told me that if you reenlist, you will go to Japan. No ifs, ands, and buts about it. I told him, I said, Gunny, I am not going to Japan. He said, oh, you will go to Japan. And it's amazing. I got out the Marines to primarily to try to avoid Japan because I had just got married and everything. And it's funny how everything works out sometimes. I end up going to Japan years later after that and freaking love this. So I'm going to talk about the whole Japan thing. But I remember landing in Germany on November 4th, 1999. And it was mind boggling to be out. I was like, man, this snows over here. And I remember when I got my barracks room, it had a TV and everything. I'm watching AFN. This is the first time I ever seen AFN, which is the armed forces network. It's like the, your own military network that don't show commercials. And you can get other stations too, but AFN is like that primary station. And I remember watching movies on AFN and sports shows and wondering why, oh shoot, man, the game come on at freaking two 30 in the morning and people in the States, you know, are going to sleep or whatever. I mean, it was, wow. It was such a, it was such a, an experience. I can, can't even imagine. And then when I, when my uh, family arrived there, they was like, man, Germany is great. But I think my wife was like, okay, Germany's cool. I'm bored. And this is before, you know, develop friendships and she, you know, start working over there and everything. But I think initially, I don't even think she really liked it because Germany is kind of one of the places where it's almost like Seattle of Europe in terms of it's always cloudy. It wasn't a lot of sun out and it was cold. And a lot of people will look at that as being miserable. I think if you take the consensus of all overseas places, people will look at Europe as being miserable as it relates to weather and all that. It's not sunny as a Spain. It's not hot as uh, the Philippines, so on and so forth. But I remember we used to go like to the market, the, the Mark Platz and eating palm fritz and, you know, schnitzel and eating broaching and all these different things. And it was just like, man, we're in freaking Germany. Oh, by the way, if I take the Audubon, Audubon 66, I can go to freaking Paris. Oh, I can look over there. There's freaking Austria. God dog it. My wife going to freaking Czechoslovakia. I mean, it was 
Need appliances? Don't wait for Black Friday. Get to Bray Friday. Going on now at Bray and Scarf. Make your one-on-one VIP appointment for huge appliance savings in-store and online. Get doorbuster deals like a GE 27 cubic foot stainless steel French door refrigerator with fingerprint resistant finish for just $15.99. Save $700. Don't miss the Bray Friday savings. Shop local at Bray and Scarf, where it doesn't cost more to get more. Man, it was just mind boggling just to be able to be at the center of all those European countries, those same countries I looked at in the textbooks, the same countries I read history on. Right. Just such a beautiful it was a beautiful time um, for those three years we were in Germany. And I was like, man, we live in Germany. And not one time did I go back to the States on leave. Whenever I took leave, I stayed in country. So a lot of people, they'll take leave and they'll go back and visit their mother or they'll do, you know, take a vacation somewhere else. I didn't. Whenever I took leave, I always stayed in Germany because it was always some place to go. And then not only you can see all the historical things about Germany, because there's a lot of history there. You can also go to the other bases in Germany and you may have friends stationed in Mannheim or you may have friends stationed in K-Town, which is Kaiserslautern. You can, you know, at that time, Würzburg was open. You can go to Würzburg, uh, all these places. And a lot of those installations are closed now uh, compared to what it was when we were there. And then even before we were there, it was a whole bunch of bases in Germany. I mean, because, you know, you had the whole Cold War going on and the Soviet Union and all that. My only regret that I have in uh, Germany I don't want to say regrets. I have two places I wish I had visited uh, before I left, before we left. The one was the Berlin Wall. Well, pieces of the Berlin Wall. I wish I had some of that wall. And also uh, to see Checkpoint Charlie, which is in Berlin. Because Checkpoint Charlie, the Soviets was on one side. The American uh, soldiers were on the other side, separated by the Berlin Wall. I wish I had a piece of that Berlin Wall that came down in 1989. And I wish I had it went through Checkpoint Charlie to physically see it, take a picture near it. And also, I would have liked to go on to uh, the concentration camps where they had, you know, the Holocaust and everything. Because uh, I know a lot of people when we were stationed there, they would go visit it. And they would talk about you could still smell some of the the death and everything. And just kind of just I'm not saying I wanted to walk through it and not really take pictures just kind of just to be there, you know, uh, and kind of that moment of time, you know, was, was so tragic and I'm not trying to celebrate it, but just to kind of just be there, you know, it's kind of one of those, one of those phases in history that's painful. But when you see it, you know, it's, it's like, just, man, it's just, just words are escaping me when it comes to that. So those two things I wish I had seen. I wish I had traveled more. I wish I had went to the to the Italy's and some of these other places. My mindset back then, I was it was all about work, go home, work, go home. And I was in one of them units that did that. And I thought that I, I wouldn't be an effective leader if I'm always gone. You know, years later, you know, it kind of changed that whole mindset. But those are some of the regrets I have. I wish I had a done more. My wife traveled actually more than I did. So I wish I had really learned and explored Germany instead of just saying, hey, I live in Germany. Okay, that's great. What did you go see? Well, you know, I saw the PX. Okay, dude, it's more to it than that. 
All right, so my second place I've been right after Germany, I deployed from Fort Hood, Texas, because when we left Germany, we went to Fort Hood, Texas. I was deployed to Iraq from 2004 to 2005. So I'm not going to dig too much on that. It's just living in Iraq. It was hot. Some days were hotter than others, and I ain't talking about the weather. So just know Iraq was a different situation, right? Those was adverse conditions. So let's transition from Iraq was the second time I've lived overseas. And the next one will be Kuwait from 2009 to 2010. Now, Kuwait was a different beast. We didn't have some of the issues that we had when I was in Iraq. Nonetheless, the threat was still there. But it was more of a, I don't want to call it a vacation, but it was a very calm in time. Kuwait was hot, brutally hot. I remember days it would get to like 114, 115, even hotter than that. We used to have these sandstorms, these dust storms you couldn't even see in front of you. Kuwait was a, was different. I did a couple of tours in Kuwait City, uh, going out there, seeing all these sheiks and all these rich people driving these Lamborghinis and all these expensive cars. And it's a mall in Kuwait City sitting on the water. You enter the mall, you know, via a boat and everything. You're looking at the Persian Gulf. The water is freaking blue. It was amazing. Kuwait was, was great. And one thing that people don't realize, a lot of people whether civilians you can go uh, live and work overseas and teach on military bases um, a lot of folks retire and they stay overseas or they move overseas so kuwait was definitely one of those places i don't know if i would want to live there again long term i don't know if i would want to live long term in germany again i mean we lived there for three years i would like to go back me and my wife always talking about going back just kind of seeing where we were stationed at Cause that area where we were stationed at in Hanau is closed. Of course, the community is still there, but the bases that was around Hanau talking about Underwood concern, talking about Hootier, talking about, uh, gross out talking about pioneer concern, um, new Argonner, old Argonner. Those places are closed. And I think a lot of them have been redeveloped, repurposed when they signed everything over back to the Germans, but there was a lot of good food there. A lot of good food, a lot of good people. Um, but yeah, getting back to Kuwait, Kuwait was, uh, Kuwait was, was good. I enjoyed my time in Kuwait. Now let's see the next place I went to after Kuwait, uh, was Japan. If I'm correct. Yeah, it was Japan. No, I'm sorry. Let me take all that back. I am missing the first time I was in Korea. I was in Korea from 2007 to 2008 and Korea. The first time I was there, I was a staff sergeant when I was there and Korea at that time, when I was a staff sergeant, my family wasn't there. So I was there by myself. Now you can take your families there, especially where I was at at camp Humphreys. When I was there, I stayed in the barracks and I had a nice barracks room. My family was at Fort Lewis, Washington while I was in Korea and, uh, Korea was fun. I mean, you know, I didn't have a car because they didn't let freaking anybody under E7 have a vehicle back then. So everywhere I was going, I was walking, catching the cab, you know, waving out Odyssey to get in the cab or caught the train. And that train, you go from Camp Humphreys to Seoul just like that. I did a lot of uh, shopping in Seoul, Korea. Seoul, Korea is nice. Um, 
the Korean culture, it was great. I, I love Korea. Korea was, was great. Food was, was good. Um, I had a good time in Korea. That was my first time in Korea. So I was there for a year. And again, I was without my family. Uh, so it was good. It was, it was a good tour. Then a couple years after that was whole Kuwait. So after Kuwait, we went to, uh, Fort Lewis, went on recruiting, left recruiting in Detroit, went to Okinawa, Japan. Now the creme de la creme of all my overseas assignments is Okinawa, freaking Japan. The very place I tried to avoid when I was in the Marine Corps. Let me tell you, we were in Okinawa, Japan from February 2014 to July 2017. And I will tell you, I, along with my wife, will go down and say that has been the best assignment. Let me say that again. Okinawa, Japan, from the time that we were there, the best assignment we've ever had. That assignment, the best family assignment, one of my best work professional assignments I've ever had that assignment was great oh my god landed in okinawa japan in a in february of 2014 it was phenomenal i remember it was kind of hot outside that day and we got briefed on typhoon season which was a monster got briefed on uh driving on the other side of the road which took some used to getting took something to get used to paying road tax every year I mean, but the, the thing about Okinawa, it was so family friendly, even like the single Marines and single, cause you had all the branches were there and we were all kind of co-located together. The way the Okinawans treated you, oh God, it was phenomenal. I mean, it was like, they just, every, every, they was on your beck and call. They was very respective. Uh, I was very respective of them. We appreciated their culture. We know what everything that happened back in the day. And one thing, if you tried to learn the language or you, you know, had your little book trying to talk, you know, speak a little Japanese, oh man, you endeared yourself to that community, to their families, man. It was such a blessing to be there. You talk about food. You know, I used to hear jokes. Oh, you guys are getting stationed in Japan. Where y'all going to live in huts? That's such an ignorant thing to say, man. Look, Japan had some of the best housing ever seen in my life i've never seen a warm-up toilet until we got to japan keyless entry you know all this stuff that's just coming to america now it was in japan even korea kind of shares some of those uh technologies as well but japan oh my gosh me and my wife we talk about japan all the time and and fun fact that is the place i believe that we're going to end up planting our flag and retiring officially just giving up on America um, and going to Japan. Cause it's just something about living overseas. You know, we can get a job on base. We could do all that, but man, that is just, it was such a blessing to be stationed in Japan. Beautiful time, man. My wife loved it. My children loved it. Met some beautiful people there, man. It was such a wonderful assignment, man. And I know America has its issues. Japan has issues. Everyone has the issues, but I think for that moment of time, uh, it was phenomenal. Now we run the risk of, okay, all the fun and excitement that we had when we were there in 2014 to 2017, if we went over there, are we going to duplicate that fun? Again, that was a different time. It was different people, different circumstance. Now going over there as civilians, living as Japanese citizens, 
what is it going to be like you know but again that's a challenge you know but definitely japan is definitely number one on it to become uh the the country we will go to so we can be expats right now after we left japan we get rotated back to the states to our local area and went and settled the family got a house and everything and then i had, was on orders to go to korea now i would tell you the first time i was in korea from 2007 2008 was not that same career I was in from 2017 to 2018. That was my last overseas assignment that year in Korea. To me, it was the best professional assignment I ever been because everything I learned prior to Korea, some of the things I've learned when it was in Japan, Korea to me was the culminating event. Korea, where I went to in Camp Casey, was the dependent restrictive tour. So I couldn't have my family there. And some of the senior uh, officers and senior NCOs, your SAR majors or whatnot, a lot of them, if they were married, their family would be in Seoul because you can. there was no more uh, family in Casey. They moved all the families out. And then we was at 11 to 12 miles from the DMZ. So that was another story. But I enjoyed that year of Korea. I mean, again, the food, you know, the way the people treated you shopping in the Ville, going out to some of these stores and everything that year went by so fast. It was phenomenal. So, you know, when I look back at all our overseas assignments, talking about Germany and Iraq and Korea, the first time, and then Kuwait, and we talk about Japan and then Korea again, I can't leave out the, the missions and the exercises I had to go on in Australia, which was, uh, I was at Rockhampton, Australia. That was phenomenal, phenomenal. Going to the Philippines. I went to the Philippines in March of, I want to say 2016 was there for like 40, 50 days. I ain't never been as hot. I thought Iraq was hot. I thought Kuwait was hot. There was no hot compared to freaking Korea from that, like that April, when March, April, May time frame. It's like a freaking furnace. I can't leave out um, Thailand and some of these other countries that we went to go see and visit and live overseas life. Again, I will say this man until I'm no longer on this earth to me, to me overseas, overseas life is so much better than living in the States, but it's also dependent on what you want. The stress levels that we have in the States. I don't remember having those overseas. I mean, it's different stressors living overseas don't get me wrong it ain't like every day is sunny but it's just a different level of stress some of the things i worry about now as a man you know with a young with a uh, children and wife and everything a lot of those issues that i worry about now living in america i didn't even fathom living overseas again every area is a problem set i'm not trying to blame america not trying to uplift other places but I think just for us, our family overseas is the way to go. So I'm definitely looking forward to within the next five or six years of us becoming expats. Definitely looking forward to that. And that's something definitely I want to engage in. But I just want to just kind of use this day to talk about, you know, living overseas. And I know I've touched on some of these places before um, in previous Nomad Cast. But it's just something about, again, something about that overseas life. I really enjoy it. Really enjoy it. Phenomenal. And I can't wait till we become official expats. I look, I'm still, uh, friends with some of the, uh, 
the, my old unit pages and even friends on Facebook that we've been stationed all over the world. And some of them are getting stationed in some of those places. Again, those overseas assignments. And I look on their page like, man, why you get to go back to Japan? Or, man, why are you in Germany now? You know what I mean? But it's, it's cool, man. We'll, we'll do what we have to do to make sure everything is good to go. But I will say within the next five or six years, I am definitely looking at us becoming official expats and, uh, moving overseas with Japan being the number one option. So definitely looking for that. So again, appreciate everything y'all again. Thank you for listening to me. Thank definitely. Thank you for watching and listening to me, whether you are sitting at work, watching me on YouTube or listening to me via the audio, the podcast platforms, i.e. Apple podcast and Google and Spotify and Spreaker and Deezer podcast chaser podcast addict geo saving to name a few so appreciate everything everything that you guys are doing keep those likes up keep those subscriptions keep going keeping my downloads up and again this is therapy for me appreciate it today was talking on a tuesday on 19 october 2021 tomorrow is way back wednesday now if you remember last week's way back wednesday I had some uh, technical difficulties with probably operator level. Uh, I was going to talk about how I met my wife. So tomorrow I'm going to tell that story, talk about how we met in the Marine Corps until where we at right now. So that should be a fun topic as well. Again, appreciate it. Today was talking on the Tuesday, talking about living overseas and uh, just kind of just going back in time and recollecting some of the things I probably forgot, which is okay. But, uh, if you ever have to have the opportunity to vacation, I know a lot of you have uh, being stationed over there, living over there again. It ain't just, you know, for military it's civilians can live overseas, no matter the age working on base or doing whatever, you know, take that time and do a little research, man. You'll be surprised how many Americans live overseas, the Mexico's, the Germany's, the Ireland's, the Africa's, Philippines all over the place. You will be surprised at married people, young single women, uh, young men, all walks of life, black, white, no matter whoever, man, go where you want to go, go where you want to live. Enjoy that. Open up your curtains and being able to see a beach every day. I mean, that's freaking phenomenal, man. Would you rather, you know, wake up and you see the freeway or see the back of someone's building? Or you open up your curtains, you see a freaking beach, or you see people skiing. Let's not limit ourselves, man. This this world is too big to be happy where you're at. You know what I mean? This world is too big to be happy where you're at. So I appreciate everything. Again, like, subscribe, and follow to my YouTube channel at Retired Master Sergeant 20. You can follow me as well, the Trust and Bleed Nomad Cast. I'm on Apple, I'm on Google, I'm on Spotify, I'm on Deezer, Podcast Chaser podcast addict geo saving now i talked about yesterday as i get ready to close this out yesterday i talked about i'm gonna have to come with a phrase every day so today's phrase i'm gonna talk about something that we should all know about expectations and you're gonna enjoy this and take it take it with you stick it in your brain housing group and really just think about what i'm getting ready to say High expectation, low reality will always equal disappointment. 
high expectation, low reality will always equal disappointment. Always, always. Appreciate everything. Be safe. Be sound. See y'all tomorrow on Way Back Wednesday. One love. Keeping your government agency secure from cyber threats is a growing concern across the public sector. And trying to keep up with the latest technology can cause information overload. Gov White Papers is a content hub for understanding the latest technology trends in government cybersecurity, AI, cloud computing, and more. So you can keep your agency safe without scouring the internet. Join for free and discover the best practices government and industry are sharing. Visit govwhitepapers.com today. That's G-O-V-whitepaperS.com.